Hey guys, this is Dustin Langley. I'm the senior pastor at Peninsula Life Church here in Gig Harbor, Washington. And this is our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can get these new sermons every week. Hope you have a blessed day. We are in a new series called Equip the Saints. We are going through Ephesians chapter 4, covering the fivefold gifts of ministry. Last week we talked about apostles. This week we're talking about prophets. And so once again, we know that there are different theological camps and who is able to be a prophet, apostle, do they even exist? Some exist, some don't. I mean, there's all of these circles that have so many crazy thoughts and beliefs that what is functioning still and what is not. There are some people out there who are in the cessationist camp that believe that none of the gifts are functioning at all today. No healing. No Holy Spirit moving in amazing ways. No words of knowledge, the discernment. No fivefold gifts of ministries of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. There are some people who just don't believe any of the gifts function, which to me is an extreme. And there are some people in a different camp who believe that some of the gifts are still functioning. And some people look at these fivefold gifts of ministry not just as gifts, but more as offices that can be held, the office of pastor, the office of an evangelist, the office of apostle or prophet. And people who do believe in these as offices, some of them say that apostles and prophets just don't exist anymore today. But evangelists, pastors, and teachers, yep, those exist. And it's kind of hard to keep up with what to believe and what not to believe anymore. But what I do know is that at, here at Peninsula Life Church, we do believe in all of the gifts. We believe they are still functioning. And I believe that apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are still functioning today. I believe God can use any gift at any time through anyone which means if you think you're a prophet or a prophetess, whatever you want to call yourself, then maybe you walk around calling yourself a prophet. You're not just relegated to the position of prophet either. God can even use you to heal somebody. And so I think we get so caught up in these man-made constructs of the giftings that God bestows upon his people and his church that we even limit what God can do in our life and in the body of the church because we think, well, nope, he's the prophet, he's the pastor, he's the teacher, and nobody else gets to be in those positions. And I think that's wrong to relegate God to just those appointments as an appointee of different offices. God is constantly flowing through his Holy Spirit, able to move and give somebody a word, give somebody a, the gift of healing for a morning to pray over somebody who experiences that healing. And I believe God is still functioning with and through different prophets of today. And the prophets of today may look a little bit different from the Old Testament prophets because the canon of Scripture was still being compiled, right? It's a closed canon now. Can I get an amen? Right? We don't receive enlightenment anymore and add to Scripture. If you didn't know that, now you do. We don't do that. 
The scripture is closed. It is the inspired word of God, the revelation of God to us. And we aren't adding to the prophets of old were foretelling and forthtelling of things to come or forthtelling the promises of the commandments and of the law. But now we do see prophets functioning more today in this forthtelling manner of prophesying the promises of God over the people of God. And that's an okay thing because prophesying or to prophesy isn't just fortune telling, church. Right? I know. I, people are crazy to this, all this new age stuff, right? If you're dating somebody and the first thing they ask you, what's your sign? Right? Just bounce. Just leave. All right? Be like, oh, you're a Scorpio. That makes sense. Like, now I know why you act that way. Done. Just, just pack it up. You don't. Next, next date. Maybe not to that extreme, but maybe. All at the same time. But we're so interested in all of these new age ways in which we can foretell our futures. And, you know, you got palm readings and tarot cards and psychics. And we all want to know the future. And some of us, we, we think that being a prophet is just somebody who... who foresees the future for everybody, which is why people are so afraid of the gift of prophet or being a prophet because they think, oh, that person's just kind of like one of those people who sits in a shop and reads palms. It's like, that's not what a prophet is. You are, many times throughout scripture, even the, even the Old Testament prophets, which some of you believe in the Old Testament prophets, you just might not think prophets are functioning today, which I think, you know, you're wrong. But other than that, um, we can obviously have a more civil discussion later if you'd like to schedule an appointment this week. But I say that to be funny, but I also believe that many of us are afraid of that gift of profit because it has been abused so many times. Right? Speaking into somebody's life is very, it's vulnerable. And it's also life-changing at times for the good or the bad. You know, we have so many people who have claimed to be prophets, and they're like, you know, if you just give $40 right now, God will give me this revelation to give to you. Or if you pay me X amount of dollars, I will come to your church and prophesy over everybody. Everybody will get a word. You get a word. You get a word. <laughs> Right? The Holy Spirit only flows for $40 a piece. <laughs> I'm so bad. Oh, my gosh. It's so bad. <laughs> I do believe, people, there are prophets that function in the gift of prophecy, and they do travel, and it's okay to support and compensate wages because they are ministering. It just it gets abused, doesn't it? Which is why so many people are afraid, and then they just go and they fall into the theological camp of, nope, they don't even exist anymore because it's, they're so bad. Because we've been given bad examples of what it means to be a prophet or to be a mouthpiece for God, to be a, an instrument that speaks the truth of God. And many times prophets, they're very black and white, aren't they? They just they speak it and say it like it is because the truth is the truth. And the word of God is the word of God, and they're not ashamed to speak the truth. And we see in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 12, because some of you people are new, and you're like, when is he going to quote scripture? 
I have been referencing Scripture subtly in everything that I just said. <laughs> but Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13 says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets. Now, this is the ESV, the English Standard Version. And some translations actually use the, uh, this word. They say, and he gave some to be the, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds or pastors, and teachers. For what? To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, and deceitful schemes. So this main gift or this gift of being a prophet is also used for equipping the saints as all of these fivefold gifts are. And they're to not be abused. They're actually to be used for the equipping of the saints to bring about mature Christians so that those false teachers who do claim to be men and women of God can get exposed. And so being a mature believer in Christ through people and learning from people who do have these gifts is an essential part of every church body, a part of being a Christian, of being in the context of the body of Christ. These gifts are functioning and they're used for the equipping of the saints. And so then we have to ask ourselves, well, what is prophecy then? If there's a prophet, what, what does a prophet do? Because you don't just walk around and say, I am a prophet and I do prophet things. Right? You're a prophet and you prophesy. And what, well, what does prophesying mean? Well, there are different things, as I mentioned, there are different ways of prophecy. There is the foretelling, which in a sense does predict the future. It, things to come, things that are ahead, things that may be on the horizon. And we see the Old Testament fun uh, prophets functioning mainly and oftentimes with this foretelling type of prophecy. But here's the caveat to that, because so many people get away with saying whatever they want because they heard from God. And But we even look at the Old Testament prophets, and when they were prophesying or foretelling of the future, it all was from Old Testament-based uh, law and commandments. Right? When they would prophesy of the future of Israel or what was to come, it never went outside of the confines or boundaries of what God had shown or established or already written in the Torah. And we also know that the, the foretelling or the prophesying of the, I say prophets of old, so I'm talking about the major prophets, right? Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, even the minor prophets. There's many of them, you know them. Joel, anybody else? Anybody else got another minor prophet they throw out there? Okay, well, we'll I'll do a series on that. It'll be good. It'll be really good. <laughs> but we see the foretelling prophecy of these Old Testament prophets falling in line with Old Testament law and commandments. And when they did prophesy, it was mainly twofold. You always saw it being either eschatological, which means end times, so the second coming of Christ and the destruction of what we see here and now on this earth, right? So their prophesying, their foretelling of the future was eschatological in a sense, but also 
it was in regard to the coming of the Messiah, of Jesus. So we see in Scripture, Isaiah, one of the major prophets of the Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14, here's a foretelling prophecy that he gave, which was a foreshadowing and talking about the coming Messiah. So let's put it up on here. Isaiah 7, 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. That was a prophecy given 600 years, 800 years before Jesus had ever come because God had given a word to Isaiah to proclaim to the nation of Israel that there is a hope, there is a future, there is restoration for this current country, this nation that is in bondage and in slavery. There's a hope coming and his name is Jesus. That's a good prophecy. But imagine the ones who heard it at that time, they were probably like, oh yeah, it's this, just this guy talking again. But those who knew that prophets existed and that there were men and women of God who did foretell of things to come, those who knew, they prayed. They got on their knees. They wept, right? They repented. They rebuked, they got and stood in the gap for their families and for their nations, and they believed that even though it may not happen in their lifetime, God would come and fulfill what was spoken because it came from God. And so foretelling, yes, it's scary, and we don't see as much of it happening today, but I do believe God, and this is, like I said, prophets function. They don't just walk around and say, I'm a prophet, do, I'm do prophet things. They prophesy. And what they do when they do prophesy is they foretell, but they also forthtell. Right? Foretelling, thinking of the future, thinking of things that have not happened, things to come. Forthtelling, all it is is a proclamation of what God has already revealed for this present time. Right? So forthtelling would be me proclaiming the promises of God over my life and over your circumstance or over whoever else's circumstance that I'm praying because God's promises are true and they're still for me here today. Amen? And so sometimes you got to stop thinking about this fivefold gift of ministry of prophet as a particular office that only some can obtain. And you just need to start forthtelling over yourself and prophesy the word of God over yourself, the promises of God over yourself, because some of you, you speak so bad about yourself and so negative in those words that we sow. Those are seeds that we're sowing into our own life. And this is what I like to tell people. You know, the enemy cannot read your mind. The devil can't read your mind. That might be a revelation for some of you this morning. The devil cannot read your mind. The only person who knows your thoughts, your intentions, your heart is God. The Bible, I think it's in 1 Kings chapter 8. Don't quote me, but somebody can look at it. And somewhere, I think, in 1 Kings chapter 8, the Bible talks about God. only God knows the heart, the Bible says. And do you believe the Bible to be true? And I do as well. And, if, and all throughout Scripture, the word heart is used synonymously and interchangeably throughout the Hebrew text and the Greek text. And so you can either equate heart with your mind or mind with your heart. But all of those parts, our heart, soul, mind, our will, and our emotions are all made up of our soul, our human soul. 
And so when it says that only God knows the heart, it's saying only God knows you, your soul, your mind, the way that you think, the emotions that are inside of you that you sometimes never even express. And the only way the devil knows how to get to you, to stop you, or, or to hinder you from what God has, is he's seen you do it before. The devil isn't out there reading your mind. The devil has heard you say it, and he's seen you do it. Which is why he knows how to get to us, which is why we need to stop confessing and professing negative Things that bring death into our life, we need to stop that. You need to stop saying, I'm not good enough. You need to stop saying, well, I'll never get this. I'll never amount to anything. I'm never going to experience true love. I'm never going to get married. Like, we say all these things, and all we're doing is sowing seeds for our future. And if I'm going to be sowing seeds, I want to be scattering some good seed, amen? So I want to start speaking the promises of God over my life. Not these negative things that the devil is listening to. He's like, ooh, okay, that's how I get him. Good. Ooh, okay, I'll take that. I'm going to put that note down. Clearly, he struggles with that. Okay, oh, okay, that's definitely an area she struggles in. I'm going to write that down. So the devil knows how to get to us because we let him know. So how about we start proclaiming the word of God over our life? We need to be our own prophets at time because sometimes God's not sending anybody to you because you already know enough scripture. He just wants you to start confessing it over your life. I'll never forget the story that I heard of. This, there's a pastor down in Texas, been married for 35 years at this point in his marriage, and he was just done, you know, for you. She's not changing. She's never gonna do she's never gonna do anything different. And he was just fed up for years, fed up. And he he wanted a divorce, and his friends wanted were trying to talk him out of it. And he's like, nope, getting it. It's just, I, I just I can't do it anymore. And who knows, it's probably like she didn't iron his clothes properly or something, you know, the real big stuff. Come on, guys, that was funny. Right? You're just upset that they don't put their clothes in the hamper, and you're like, this is over. Can't do it anymore. Ten years. But this pastor was ready to be done, and his friends just kept sowing scripture into his life, telling him, sending him encouragement, sending him uplifting things, letting him know that it is possible to recover. It is possible to move forward. It is possible to move on. And they would send him scripture over and over again. And months and months had gone by, and one of his buddies who he hadn't seen in months noticed that his marriage was doing better. And he was saying he didn't want to even get a divorce anymore. And his buddy was like, dude, what changed? Like, what changed inside of you? And it, the, it's interesting what he said. He said, he said, you know what? What changed was the fact, he's like, nothing changed really, except for the way that I was thinking and the things that I was saying. He said, I know too much of God's word to get a divorce. Amen, that's good. That's convicting. I'm convicted. I know too much of God's word to get a divorce. And so what he decided to do was believe God's promises were more true for him than the lies that were being told to him from the enemy. He probably, you know what? He probably used to mutter under his breath negative things about his wife. He probably used to say things out loud. Maybe he wasn't the silent type. Maybe he really did tell her how he felt. But the reality is the moment we stop sowing seeds of death 
and start sowing seeds of life and promises of God, we can be our own prophets in our own life and we can start professing and proclaiming the word of God. Amen. And it will begin to change our life and our circumstance. But the majority of prophecies found in the New Testament, we see now these prophets still functioning even after the Old Testament, but the prophecies that were happening and the way that prophets are believed that are used more in the church today are for forthtelling. But what always happened was it was used, people and prophets are used for edification, for encouragement, and for a consolation. Well, how does somebody edify, encourage, and console somebody with the word of God? Church, come on. With the word of God. If I know somebody who's suffering because they lost a family member, they're grieving, you know what they need? They don't need the bottle. They don't need a pill. They don't need another drink. What they need is the word of God. And I know scripture, amen. I know too much scripture to not share it with them. And so I know that what they need is comfort because there's nothing in this world that will comfort you more than God. Because the Bible says that he is the God of all comfort. And the comfort wherewith which we will be comforted will be used one day to comfort somebody else. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 4 through 5. And so we must know that we aren't relegated to just being a mom, a dad, a brother, a sister. There's no way I'm ever going to hold the office of prophet. Stop thinking of these gifts as offices and start believing that God can use you at any point in time to be an encouragement, a consoler, an edifier for somebody that's in your life. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 29 through 33, let two or three prophets speak and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to another sitting there, let the first be silent for you can all prophesy one by one. This sure doesn't sound like an office, right, designated for a couple. If all can prophesy, and this was after Jesus ascended into heaven, which leads me to believe that the office or gift of prophecy is still functioning, especially if Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. And what even kills me more as I'm going off on this rant right now is the fact that the Corinthians were awful people. <laughs> Like, you think the world is bad right now. You're like, oh, man, we're just going to hell in a handbasket here in America. Like, do you know what was happening at the church in Corinth? Like, Corinth was an evil place to be. We're talking pagan gods. We're talking about coliseums and orgies to their gods and sacrifices of little children to their gods. Like, the Corinthian place to live was an awful place to be. However, Paul says, even to the Corinthian church, that all can prophesy one by one so that all may learn and be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, for God is not a God of confusion but of peace, which means that if you are claiming to be a prophet, you better not be secretly telling people lies because prophets, Fits should be subject to other prophets, which means if God has given you a word and you're too scared to share it with other people, maybe reconsider. It might have been the pizza the night before. But God is not a God of confusion, it says, but of peace. 
And it says in Acts 15 and verse 32, and Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, exhorted the brethren with many words and strengthened them. Which further goes to my saying and statement that in the New Testament, we often see prophecy being used as edification, encouragement, and consolation. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, it says, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything and hold fast what is good. Church, we need to stop being afraid of what the world thinks about us. And when we think we hear from God, it's, you know, you might hear from God, but I'm going to tell you this right now. You're not going to get any new revelation from God that is outside of Scripture. Does that make sense? Like, anytime somebody first leads is, well, God told me. I'm like, ooh, let's see if this lines up with Scripture. (laughs) Because if God told you, it's not going to be outside the lines of Scripture. If God told you something, it will not supersede Scripture. It will not be added to Scripture. They're not going to start a new book, right? The, the, The epistle of the Peninsula Life Church. And, well, yeah, I don't know. All I want you to know is that there is no new revelation. What you do receive, now let me tell you this, is you will receive through the Holy Spirit illumination on the revelation. And what is the revelation? The Word of God. Right? Revelation comes through the Word of God because there's convicting done by the Holy Spirit. And you may not have read a particular passage. You may not have had a good understanding of a passage. But God might bring back to your remembrance some of these things that you've learned. And it will be a revelatory moment or an illumination on the revelation that you've already read in Scripture. And so we have to remember that prophets are still functioning today, but what they are doing is many times, yes, I believe in foretelling, and I'll tell you why. Like, it's not just because of this one instance. First of all, it's because I believe Scripture. But we can't completely discount those who do see things in the future. Because prophets, as I mentioned, they don't just walk around profiting. They walk around prophesying. And what other gift then might a prophet be functioning if they're prophesying or even foretelling of things to come? Can you think of any other gifts in the Bible? What about word of knowledge? Right? What about even words of wisdom at times? Or how about the gift of discernment? Right? God you many times see prophets functioning in these other gifts, and it is scary when somebody operates in them because they read your mail, and they just know. Sometimes you go and you shake somebody that has the word of knowledge, and you're like, I don't know if I'm going to shake your hand or not today. I'll never forget, I was in A school in the military. Any military people in here know what I'm talking about. I was Getting my, I was getting my rate, because in the Coast Guard, we call them rates, not MOSs. We're weird. But I was becoming an operations specialist. I was at A school. I had a friend start bringing me to church, and I remember thinking to myself, I don't know if I can go to church. And he brought me to a church, and we're talking like I went to church. All right? Like we have, I mean, I learned new dance moves with my feet. I'm, I, mean, I, was, I was going in circle. I mean, I, you know what, I'll tell you right now, he bought me a new, he bought me a suit even, my first suit ever. 
Because he saw, like, if you're going to come to church, you need to get a seat. And I said, all right, you're buying. No. Actually, he, he did. He bought it for me, my first suit ever. Never had a suit before. And I had gone to church. I started going. And he just saw so much in me, church. You know, things that I couldn't see for myself, but he knew the word of God. And God was speaking to him clearly because he wasn't speaking to me, I don't think. But I'm afraid we got back to the barracks that night and gosh, I was 19 years old at this time, 20. And he put his hand, we were in the barracks and he put his hand on my shoulder and we're getting ready to go to church. And this is why I stopped going to church for a few years after this moment because he stopped and he said, hey, he said, God told me that you're going to be a pastor one day. And he said, and I want to go buy you a robe. <laughs> and I said, thank you. <laughs> and sure, I went to church with them a few more times after that, but I got scared. And I stopped going to church because I was scared. Because <laughs> uh, I always felt like I was running from God. But God will use people like that in your life to speak the calling and purpose and destiny that he has for you because three years later, I finally really did commit my life to Jesus. And, and now I'm standing here before you. That was like 14 years ago. And who would have thought that I would be a pastor? Well, you get enough degrees and I guess that's all right. <laughs> you, can, you can do anything. No, but I be truly believe that God is using people still today to speak those kind of truths into your life because God wants to reveal his plan and purpose to you. And he's constantly doing that through men and women of God. We just need to be open to receive and stop discounting and stop revoking the gift of prophecy from people and allow God to speak to you through people because you're not going to get an audible voice from him all the time, all right? He's not going to do the burning bush thing again. But God will use other people to constantly speak into your life to reveal his plans and purposes for you. And so I have to ask you this question. If, and I said this earlier, that God isn't always going to send somebody to you to prophesy over you. Sometimes you need to prophesy over yourself like that one pastor did. He knew too much scripture to get a divorce. He knew too much scripture to keep speaking the way that he was about his wife. He knew too much scripture to stop lying and, and, and operating the way that he was. And so many of us, we need to stop speaking negative things and we need to start speaking the truth of God. Charles Spurgeon said this, he's quoted saying, do not fear God's promises as if they were curiosities for a museum, but believe them and use them. Amen? Start believing the word of God is for you too because some of you, you're up here prophesying over people. You're in your workplace speaking truth over people. You love praying for people and you'll pray the promises of God over them. You'll prophesy and forth tell the promises of God. Proclaim it over their life. But then when it comes to you, you're just like, well, I need somebody else to pray for me. Right? And you don't believe the promises of God even for your own life. And you don't stand in the gap for your families and proclaim the promises of God because you don't think that it's going to work. That you don't have the power to do that. But you, you're perfectly fine praying the promises of God over other people. But we need to be careful with what we're speaking because I truly believe, like it says in Proverbs 18 and verse... 
21, death and life is in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. And so the reality is we're going to reap what we sow. And I think of Job in the Bible and in Job chapter three and verse 25, some of you know the story of Job. All you need to know is Job's life was definitely worse than yours. Don't even try to compare it. Just know that it was worse than yours and then understand this verse. And verse 320, he says, for the thing that I fear comes upon me and what I dread befalls me. I am not at ease, nor am I quiet. I have no rest, but trouble comes. This Job, I believe, got into the circumstance that he did because clearly whatever it was that he was fearing and whatever it was that he was constantly dwelling on and meditating on finally became a reality in his life. He lost his job, he lost his family, he lost his friends. And some of us, I mean, some of you parents, you are so fearful of allowing your children to go out and be teenagers that all you think about every day is the fact that they might get in a car accident, that they might die, that this might happen to them, that this is gonna happen to them, they're, they're gonna end up doing something they're not supposed to, and it runs your day every single day, and you parent that way based out of fear, and eventually, what we constantly dwell on and manifest and speak over will come and pass. Like Job said, the thing that I fear the most has come upon me. Why? Because you keep speaking it and making it a reality. We have to get out of that mindset and we need to start prophesying the promises of God over our life. We need to start reminding ourselves who we are in Christ. The Bible says that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, which means you're an overcomer, amen? We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. These are promises that we have to speak. I am an overcomer. I overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony, which means I should be sharing my testimony more than I should be sharing my problems and my frustrations and my fears. And today, before we close, I would just love to pray over you this morning and prophesy over you. Because I believe that God can use any gift at any time through anyone. And right now seems like the perfect time to be able to pray encouragement over you. Some edification, some consolation maybe even in your own life. And so at this time, would you just bow your head so I can pray? And whatever burdens are on your shoulders right now, whatever feelings and emotions that you've been harboring against yourself even, I just want you to visually take them off of your shoulders and I want you to place them at the feet of Jesus, at the foot of the cross, where they belong because judgment has already happened. Sin has already been dealt with. You have been forgiven. The sin that you have committed is not greater than the future that God has for you. And so today I would like to pray, Father, over each man and woman here today, Lord, would you bless them? Lord, I pray right now that they would no longer dwell and meditate on those things that are evil, that are not good. Those things that have a grip on their soul. 
the addictions that are running their life, Lord, I pray right now that you would give them freedom from that bondage. Lord, that your word is more true. Would you forgive them of their iniquities, Lord? Would you please heal their infirmities, Lord? Right now, we have people suffering with physical infirmities. And so, God, right now, we take this time to proclaim your word. Your word says that you sent your word and you healed us. Your word is Jesus Christ. And by his stripes, we are healed. Lord, healing is for us today. And so we receive that healing right now. The Bible says that we forget not all your benefits because you forgive all of our iniquities and you heal all of our diseases. Lord, we receive that and we believe that here today. Lord, we pray over broken relationships, those who are estranged and those who are separated, God, even marriages that are are on the rocks, God. We pray Matthew 19 over it right now that says, what you have put together, God, let no man separate. And so, Lord, we proclaim these things today, and we stand in the gap for ourselves. We stand in the gap for our family members. We stand in the gap for our friends who are fighting and battling for their lives and for their livelihoods. Lord, I pray over businesses right now, those who are suffering and they they need resources, those who aren't getting the jobs or the bids necessary to thrive and survive. Lord, right now, I pray your word. It says that you are able to do all things. You are able to meet their needs, Lord, that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that could be asked or thank God just because of your Holy Spirit that works inside of them. So Lord, I pray that they would begin to get those jobs that have been on the horizon, Lord, that they would begin to close the deals that are needed for their, for their business, for their family, God. We know your word and we speak it now. It says that you will meet all of our needs according to your riches and glory. And God, those are just a few things that we want to prophesy today that I would love to proclaim and for to be done, to be finished and sealed in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you did, make sure to like and subscribe so you can receive these new messages as soon as they're available. Also, I just want to take a moment and thank all of you who are part of Peninsula Life Church here in Gig Harbor. Whether you support us financially or serve with us or just share these messages online, it's because of you that we're able to reach people locally and around the world. And if you want more information on how to be a part of the church, make sure you click the link in the description. To help us continue to spread the good news, don't forget to leave a review, like, and subscribe. Have a blessed day.